Let's get to the fan focus. All right, leading us off, it's going to be Nick and Dustin as the two of them talk about Flacco versus Keenum for this weekend. Do you think Joe Flacco is the better quarterback or is Case Keenum? Well, I mean, Case Keenum probably is 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 more. Um, I mean, he's been in the league. Like Flacco took a year off. Mm-hmm. You know, Keenum's been around. I don't know. I I feel like for this offense, I'd rather have Flacco. I think so. Well, and, and it's actually because of the the deep pass. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Case Keenum does a good job filling in for C.J. Stroud with the, the sort of offense that they run. But I do think that Flacco, for the way that they've been running this offense with this great defense, like really fits what the Browns need for this little playoff push here at the end of the year. Well, and I think this would be the game that if 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 Flacco could actually play a clean game, you could actually win this. Not handedly, convincingly, but you couple could scores. you could win this by enough points that we're comfortable and into the eggnog halfway through the game. Yeah. I really do. Egg, eggnog overrated, bro. It is. We act, we're in a complete agreement. Block it'll, step, right? It'll be Christmas White Russians for your boy Nikki Dubs or Seven and Ooh. Sevens. Yeah, they're Attaboy. both delicious. Um, but no, I I just I look at this and I'm like, this is. I don't think there's been a game this year with Joe Flacco that it's more important since probably the Rams game that he has a clean game. Christmas White Russians sounds awesome. By the way. I. I'm not an eggnog guy either, but once I had a, there was a lot of a a whiskey company came out with a whiskey version of eggnog when I was in college, and I drank the whole thing of that. Haven't been able to drink eggnog really since. Flacco's obviously the better quarterback than Keenum. I don't know why that's a debate. It shouldn't be a debate. If you're if you're trying to score this one, like you're my friends in the desert and you're Vegas, the quarterback advantage goes to the Browns this weekend. The quarterback advantage goes to the Browns. Defense advantage goes to the Browns. Now, if you're going to have Nico Collins out in addition to Tank Dow, and Nico is questionable, the wide receiver advantage goes to the Browns as well. Like Everywhere you look in this game, it goes to the Browns. So the game should go to the Browns. Texans without their top three players, it's just, it's, it's stacking up nicely. But we have not played as well on the road as we do at home. And so it's something to keep an eye out on. If we struggle here against the Texans on the road, I'm going to have to start to worry about our road situation because we haven't been able to get it fixed with the exception of that massive win we had November 12th against Baltimore, which was on the road, which is one I'm going to hang on to for the postseason, by the way. Keep that one in mind. I'm going to hang on to that one for the postseason. All right, next up, it is Ken and Lima as the two of them discuss gifts around the holidays. My dad would take every year at the Carmen Christmas party. We haven't obviously had one in many years because my grandfather died. But he had my grandfather had seven kids, so there would be seven children with their children. And by the time I came along, I mean uh, there were there were obviously other grandchildren who had kids. I mean there were great grandchildren, so there would be a huge Carmen Christmas party every year in the month of December. And my one aunt would get everybody this gift, and my dad would just put them in a box throughout the years. And then it's his own little gag. It didn't make my mom laugh. It only made him laugh. Sometimes those are the best gags. When I started when I started dating Liz and I moved in with Liz, he started giving us those gifts that my aunt gave everybody year by oh, year by that year. Is so I'm talking I'm talking like 13-year-old Christmas gifts. Like here's a candle holder. And he would give it and he would just sit there with this smile on his face. Like, what's she gonna think about this? And great, thanks a lot. Like 
I don't know what this is. And it was his own little gag that did he finally they, told me about a couple years did ago. Did they fake any of the emotions afterwards, or did they say why? No, because that was part of his sick game, is that he knew that me and my wife would fake the emotion in front of him going, thanks for this. I wouldn't fake the emotion. I, I just wouldn't. I, if I, I am the worst gift receiver in the history of all time. I am very gracious now when people give me gifts because I've learned, but I am not. I, I'm a bad poker player in that I, I love poker. I can play it, but I'm a bad poker player in that you can read my face. If you if you hurt me or you're inconsiderate, I can't hide that in any sort of way. I can't. Man, I still have regrets to this day. My mom one time when I was seven years old, she gave me a jacket. And I just, I told her flat out, I'm seven years old. I said, a jacket's not what you give a child. You don't give a child a jacket on Christmas. I know it's a bratty thing to say, but it's just what I thought. I was like, you don't give a child a jacket. I'm I'm seven. You give me toys at Christmas. All my my brothers and my sister, they got toys. I got a jacket. It's like it's like the, a kid's version of Cole. What did I do this year to deserve this jacket? And I'll never forget her just bawling her eyes out. She was very upset in the whole ordeal. And as she laughs about it now, we make jokes about it now. But I, I just who I am. I don't. I don't know how to hide things well. I try. I have the best of intentions, but it doesn't always come off great. If you give me a bad gift, or if you give me a, that's why I put no expectations on gifts now. That's my new rule. So if I, if my Ken's dad gave me a thirteen-year-old gift, at this point in life, I would have the expectation that every gift is going to be basically something from the dollar store and is going to make me confused as to why that person gave it to me. And so my reaction will try. It'll be somewhere in the ballpark that's at least acceptable. But I, it took me a long time. I was not very good at that as a child. Now, if you knocked it out of the park, though, I acted as if you were the Pope. I thought you were you were the greatest if you knocked it out of the park. I'm a tough person to buy gifts for. That's why I tell my wife every year. I'm like, don't give me anything. I don't need anything. I've got everything I want in life. I don't need anything. Don't give me anything. But I, I, I'm admittedly very tough to buy gifts for. All right, next up. Nick and Dustin on Stefanski's salary. I think Browns fans would freak out if Kevin got $15 million a year because we're a town that cares how much somebody gets paid. Yeah. It's the Deshaun thing, right? He's getting paid $230 million. He doesn't look like a $230 million coach. If Kevin started next year 0-3, we'd be saying he doesn't look like a $15 million coach. Correct. It's, for some reason, we are hyper-focused on that. I don't really care as much because it ain't my money. There's no coaching salary cap, right? Yeah. Um, with the actual salary cap, I think it matters more. But, like, I think if Kevin Stefanski took this team to an AFC title game this year, he'd be worth $15 million a year to me. Because I think we look at, and I actually think i got to give some kudos to the morning show. They were talking about the, the Tomlin take in Pittsburgh how those guys always scoff at how Cleveland marvels over Mike Tomlin and how the reality is if you see a coach up close, you're more likely to pick them apart and and really not buy into the hype unless they're winning Super Bowls every year. That's why it's so damn hard to stay in one place forever if you're not winning Super Bowls every three or four years because the pressure just builds up and builds up and builds up and it takes a good organization to sit through that. I think with Stefanski... I think if Stefanski's resume hit the open market, I think there would be a bidding war for his services at the end of this year. Five weeks ago, people would have told me he could only be an offensive coordinator. Five weeks has done a lot for Kevin Stefanski. I don't know about the open market, though. Are the Chargers offering Kevin Stefanski the job if he was on the open market? 
I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Are the commanders offering Kevin Stefanski the job on the open market? When you have Harbaugh out there, you potentially have Belichick out there. And I'm talking for more than the Chargers and, and the commanders. I mean, obviously, you're going to end up with all sorts of different people that are going to get hired. Ben Johnson, uh, maybe uh, Bobby Slowick as well in Houston. And there's all sorts of guys that could end up getting jobs. Does Kevin Stefanski make that cut? I don't know. I don't really care. The point on $15 million a year is interesting to me because right now Kevin makes $3.5 million a year. That would be a massive pay increase, but it's not my money. Jimmy Haslam donated $20 million two weeks ago to a children's sports complex or a hospital uh, sports complex. Like, they have money. They can do this. If they want to extend them until the end of time, they could. It's no skin off my back. Not my monkey, not my circus. You want to do it? Go ahead and do it. It really doesn't bother me at all. And if it makes the locker room feel better, sure. Not worried. But I don't know if the open market is that serious about Kevin Stefanski yet. But he's not going to get there, so who cares? All right, next up. Baskin and Dan Menigan on giving gifts to people that you hate. Baskin and Phelps present last-minute Christmas gift ideas for people you really don't care for. You know when you go to the store and they got those packages of popcorn in the tin? Or those pre-bought cookies. Oh, I don't think that's uh, popcorn's never bad. Those, what do you mean popcorn's a bad gift? Or those it's not pre, a bad gift. The, well, those those pre-bought tins where they package the popcorn back in September of twenty. Yeah, but eleven. <laughs> yeah, but when they put your favorite football team on the outside of that tin, then it becomes a gift, right? If sure. it's a generic tin, then no. Sure. But. And if you're going to like a place that actually is a popcorn, well, yes, place, that's different. Okay. I'm talking the ones when you like go into the grocery store, or you go to the drugstore, and they've got them all stacked up right there with the big purple sign on it that says, you know, Christmas ten, nineteen ninety nine. Like perfect, this person's getting that. Um, fruitcake, man. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, one. You know, I haven't seen what my my dad used to get them all the time when I was a kid, but. Those fruitcakes are nothing appealing about those at all. Never. I don't even think I could even look at one without having my stomach turn a little bit. I like the popcorn. I don't think that's a bad gift at all. I, I've been given popcorn as a gift all sorts of times in my life. I like popcorn as a gift. That's a good gift. I'm hard to give gifts for. That's a good gift. Here are the three gifts to give people that you hate. I thought gift cards were always at the top of the list for me. Uh, I Gift cards are thoughtless. You get what you want sometimes. Gift cards to stores you have no connection with is the tops as far as for getting a gift and you not liking it. Books. It's not that books suck. I like books, but nobody wants to invest that much time in something they don't care about. They want to invest time in things that they're interested in. You can recommend books. Don't give books to people. They don't want to read whatever book you think is great. They want to read whatever book they think is great. It's like a 12-hour commitment, most books. They don't want to spend that on a book you think is awesome. One they think is awesome. And then making a donation in the name to the charity has got to be number one on that list. They get nothing from it. You seem like the good guy. They can't get mad at it. It's pretty perfect. Bonus, you might actually do some good that you can feel good about since you did choose the charity after all. I'm all about giving gifts that actually benefit people. You want to make somebody mad? I don't know. Why don't you donate to Children's Oncology? I think it's a win for Children's Oncology in a way that I feel great about. 
That's my new campaign. I'm going to get a lot of people to donate to Children's Oncology by telling you guys that people hate it when you donate to Children's Oncology in their name. It's going to be great. All right, next up. Ken and Lima on Max Struess. I don't know what he did to trick everybody because the numbers are out there for everybody. Anybody could see his his numbers were out there. And when they signed him, I said I didn't understand the signing because he's I'm not, ready to go headlong. Into this he's fight. not necessarily a an elite three-point shooter. In fact, right now, of all the shooters in the league who take seven or more threes, he is only in front of Max, uh, make that, Zach Levine. Zach Levine is the only one in the NBA that has a lower three-point shooting percentage than Max Struess. And Max Struess is now basically putting up career lows in every advanced metric. Cavs lost to Brandon Ingram and the no New Zion. Pelicans last night. No Zion. Trey Murphy no Zion. kicked our ass. Trey Murphy beat the brakes off us. What do you have, 27? Yeah, he is. 27? Now that's a three-point shooter. 28. That's a three-point shooter. See, All right, go ahead. Think go about ahead. it. Take off. So 216-474-0092. Tra- Lima right or wrong. Go ahead. So Trey Murphy shoots 43% from three-point range. That's good. That's pretty good. He only takes 6.4, yet our guy, who is shooting dramatically worse from three-point range. The Struce Moose. Yes. Uh, shoots more threes than him. And, of course, Trey Murphy is 6'8", and Max Struce is 6'5". What are you trying to say? I did not like using all the available cap space left on Max Struce. I said that at the time. I got crushed by Cavs Twitter. I got crushed by people that cover the Cavs. And there were some people inside the Cavs that didn't like that opinion. Ooh, and, spicy. And now, you going to tell now, me anything more about that? And now it's, uh, now it's, it's even harder because Max oh, Struess oh. is going to get more shots. I've never heard anyone call him the Struess Moose. Is that a thing? Do people call him the Struess Moose? I've never heard that. Struess Moose? Struess Caboose? Struess Moose? You knew he was streaky when he went game one of the NBA Finals and went 0 for 10. Him being streaky is nothing new. They gave him $64 million, not on the idea that he was streaky. They gave him with the idea that at every point in Max Struess's career, he's only gotten better and better. That's the bet on Max Struess. It's not taking anything that he's done in the past. It's seeing that every year he's gotten better and better and better. And uh, coming from a guy that was not even, in his own words, he told me personally, he didn't think he was going to the NBA by the time he was 16 years old, which, oh, by the way, 99% of NBA players know they're going to the NBA by 16, and then went and played small D2 basketball because his older brother went to that school as well, and then went to DePaul, and then got undrafted and went to the Bulls, and then Miami. Like His whole life has been about getting better as he ages. Like a fine wine. The, the older he gets, the better he gets. That's Max Struess's game. You're you're paying off of what he and it's not you're not supposed to do this. He's paying off what he's projected to be, not what he currently is. That's the bet that the Cavs are making. Has it worked out to their favor? Some games, sure. How about that opening game against the Nets when he put up twenty seven and came out guns a blazing? There's games he has it and he's worth that spark off the bench. Other games? He's on a milk carton. It is what it is. Them's the breaks. You're hoping for the milk carton games to be fewer and far between. But they didn't pay him $64 million based off of his past production. They, they, they paid it off the future production. I'm not giving up on him. Is the long, long story short, I'm not giving up on him. He's only gotten better at every stage of his life. So, Max Struess... You got a supporter in me, uh, but I don't like to be in arguments against Lima. So you got to pick it up here. You got to you got you got to figure this one out really quick. And that is the fan focus. All righty, back in here on the fan. 
Dominic asked me how how many solo hours of radio I could do. Was that in one sitting? Like you thought like just like one sitting? Like like it's a it's a normal show, but instead of doing like the five hours we do here, you have to go seven. It's the normal thing that you do, it's just longer. That makes sense. Yeah. Now would it be because I like just physically couldn't anymore? Like I mentally couldn't, or is it one of these things where uh like where I really thought I I could still give it my all? What's the parameters here? Where you can make an entertaining show that can at least get a caller. At least it. get a caller. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. We gotta like stop it entertaining. Good. Yeah, but yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I once proposed to the the bosses here. I wanted to do a twenty four hour uh we mentioned children's oncology in the last segment, right? I, I proposed I would do a twenty four hour radiothon that would benefit children's oncology. Because I always I care about children's oncology. I think that's just an awful thing for children. And so that's always the cause that I go for. And it did not get approved. <laughs> but like the gimmick behind it was that I would do I would be on everyone else's show until I did my own show. And then I would do my own show, and then I never really mapped out what would happen for the overnight hours, right? So I would go 7 to midnight, and then I think I would close it out filling out CBS Sports Radio with midnight to 6. So that, in theory, would have been an 11-hour stretch of solo radio after doing, in the morning, a five or four-hour run with, with Ken and Anthony, a four-hour run with Baskin and Phelps, then a five-hour run with Dustin and Nick. And honestly, I think if I would have been able to pull it off, it would have been insane. I don't think anybody would have been interested. I think I probably would have coasted through the majority of it, and I think it probably was a good idea that they didn't give me the green light on that one. It was a fun, like, June idea, though. You know what I mean? Like, something something in the summer. I'm not talking, like, primetime football when, like, ratings are massive and people really care a ton about the ratings. I mean, they care about the ratings all the time, but, you know, June is a little bit different than, you know, right now, for instance. June matters more. It just does. Or excuse me, right now matters more. June just doesn't matter as much. So I don't know. Pick like a 24-hour stretch. Let's see if I could do it. So full 24-hour show here with Jonathan Peterlin. You think I could do it? It'd be like the 24-hour. It'd be the Jonathan Peterlin takeover on 92.3 The Fan. The whole day could be sponsored up and down when it comes to uh, like rejoins and everything like that. I'm on every single show. We were raising a bunch of money for children's oncology. I'm sure this is the type of thing that like the like Cleveland.com and all the newspapers would have picked up and they would have done all sorts of different articles on it. And then for a day, you just hear me 24 hours on the station. And I'm not saying it, it's because people need to hear me 24 hours a day. That's not the point. But it's kind of like a, like a marathon runner that goes 26.2 and he's like, great, I can do 26.2. That's me five hours every night doing solo. Now I'm trying to see if I can be an ultra marathon runner. Can I do the 100 mile run? Can I, can I make it 24 hours? I don't know. I do more solo radio in the summer. When I do CBS Sports Radio, and we're going to get back to like you know sports in a second, uh, but you know, give me a second here. When I do CBS Sports Radio in the summer, I do 30 hours of solo radio in a week. That is more than anybody else in the entire country. There's no chance anybody's coming close to doing 30 hours of solo radio. So if anybody was built for it, it's me. I just think like Baskin and Phelps would get bored with it. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It wouldn't. No, it wouldn't be Baskin and Phelps. They wouldn't be the issue. They wouldn't be the issue. I, it might be Ken and Anthony. It might be Afternoon Drive would actually probably have a good time. Dustin would just turn off his mic and just say, "You host the show now. You you co-host with Dustin," and that was what that would turn into. There you go. Anyway, so to answer your question, uh, uninterrupted. I think 
I think I could do eight or nine hours. That's impressive. It's for the kids, too. Well, that's the big thing. Yeah, that, and that's, and that would be my tagline for the day. Yeah. It's for the kids. <laughs> that's that's how you get nine hours of a show right Somebody there. Somebody called Todd Ward one calls up and is like, hey, Jonathan, I've given you my take four different times today. And I'm like, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Have you no shame. All right. I'm going to write a check to Children's Oncology for how much I've talked about them tonight. There's good people working on children's oncology. All right. 216-474-0092. Let's talk about uh, more money and more things involving money. So Yamamoto is going to the Dodgers. And in case you're not aware, his contract is the largest in baseball history for a pitcher, edging out Garrett Cole's $324 million deal. He's owned the Napone League over the last three years. He has won their, their I'm going to try not to butcher it. It's called the Sawamama Award. I butchered it. Sorry, it didn't come out right. Sawamora Award? Sawamora Award? I practiced this. I didn't get it right. But either way, I think I got it right in the last time. It's their version of Cy Young, okay? He's won their version of the Cy Young three straight years. He had a 1.42 ERA in a league that strikes out much less than baseball. He had a 27% strikeout rate. So basically, he turned every hitter into the worst version of of um, like really high strikeout rate hitters are like 30 to 35%, 27%. That's insane. The man just strikes out pitchers is the point. Here's the take you're not going to like for me. I think it's okay to admit what's best for baseball may not be what's best for the Guardians. The health of the league matters, and you have to think about the big picture health of the league in situations like this. This feels like I'm, I, I got to try to win the war and not the battle. Everyone yelling about how the Dodgers can spend more and the Dodgers can get away with murder. It's true. They can. They can. And this spending will get them a World Series at some point, I'm sure of it. But it doesn't create a dynasty overnight. Baseball's not built that way. But the argument isn't about them buying a championship. I feel like a lot of people got scarred with the 97 Marlins in this in this category, right? 97 Marlins went out and they, they bought their World Series is what they did. You guys know it. I know it. You know it. They went out and they paid a bunch of money for a lot of players. They came back out in 98. They got rid of everybody and they went to the absolute dumpster. That's how it worked back then. And it still works today that way to a degree. But the Dodgers have been an absolute juggernaut for the previous 10 years. They're good. They're good, and they're about to be great. And the fact that they're cleaning up with Otani, with Glasnow, and now Yamamoto only puts them in position to win more. But baseball isn't built that way. But the same way baseball isn't built that way, where you still have to end up in the World Series and you still have to go through a bunch of really good teams in order to get there, and the way the postseason structure is set up, it's so fluky to begin with anyway. I mean, think about it from this perspective. The Rangers were in the World Series last year. They went through a 99-win Rays team to a 101-win Orioles team to an Astros team that was in the middle of the well, back end of a dynasty, and then they beat an 84-win Diamondbacks team. Like They went through juggernauts to get to the World Series to then take down uh, what is arguably one of the lowest win teams to make it to a World Series in since what? Since the 06 Cardinals, was it? Was it the 06 Cardinals that won 84 games? I, I mean, it's been a long time is the point. The idea here, though, and the simple premise here, though, 
is that although you might get mad by it, the way baseball is constructed, it doesn't guarantee him anything. That's why the Dodgers are in this position to begin with. But here's well, a side with Major League Baseball for not stepping in and for not doing basically what the NBA did when they nixed the Chris Paul trade and said, wait a second, this isn't good for the league. We're not doing this. They fumbled their way into the best possible situation for Major League Baseball. I know it might not be the best for the Guardians, but the best situation for baseball is to have Otani and Yamamoto on the same field, night in, night out. Obviously, Yamamoto's a pitcher, so you're not going to get him every single day. And Otani's not even pitching next year. He's going to start pitching in 2025 again. But you're going to have the two of them, Japan heroes, World Baseball Classic heroes, in a market that's filled up with 125 diehard, 125 million diehard baseball fans chomping or champing at the bit, whichever you prefer, to take in big league baseball. But more importantly, in a game that can't create superstars, you're going to have a team that the whole entire league enjoys rooting against while cannot take their eyes off of, and it's not the Yankees and it's not the Red Sox. I know the Dodgers are a tentpole franchise. It's not as if the Dodgers are some sort of up-and-coming team and not a legacy and not a uh, one of the all-time great baseball teams. Uh, they, they are. They're all those things. Jackie Robinson, Tommy Lasorda, Gibson, Koufax. You can go up and down all day. Vin Scully, up and down all day with memorable people around that franchise. There's no ignoring that. There's no doubting that. Having Otani having Yamamoto and getting them to where they are right now is best for Major League Baseball long-term, though, because they're actually creating something of interest. I tuned into a national program. Again, I told you guys, you know, when I get ready for the, the CBS shows on the weekends, I, I tune in. I'm always listening to national stuff in some capacity, but I tend to do a little bit more leading up to the weekends than I'm actually doing CBS Sports Radio just to check in, make sure I got the right idea on things. And I tuned into a national guy today. And he led with the Rams, which is the right move, right? Led with the Rams. I thought, all right, what's what's topic number two? I like to play a guessing game, or I like to I like to guess what the topics are going to be. It's very sports radio nerd of me, but I love it, right? I'm like, all right, what is if I was doing a show today, what would my topics be? And I guess number one, right? It was the Rams coming off Thursday night football. That one made sense, right? And then I got to topic number two, and in my mind, I thought it would be this move with the Dodgers. But I didn't know if he would pull the trigger on it. I didn't know if the national host would pull the trigger on it. Because I can't talk baseball on CBS Sports Radio. I'm on it tomorrow because of this. But it's very rare that on December 22nd, leading up to college football bowl games, right in the thick of the NFL season, the NBA is underway. You have to have a bomb go off in the middle of a stadium for baseball to get any sort of attention. Yamamoto's got that for the Dodgers right now. Him and Otani and what's happening in La La Land has the entire nation talking baseball for the previous 24 hours. That's what I'm talking about when I say health of the game. A World Series isn't promised to the Dodgers. By no stretch of the measure is a World Series promised to the Dodgers. But you get the intrigue. You get the villains attached to this whole entire thing. 
and you have something night in, night out, that if you're flipping around in the Guardians game, maybe they played a day game, or maybe they got done early because these games go early, you're thinking to yourself, what, what can I watch? Oh, you mean Otani is playing and Yamamoto's on the mound tonight? There's no chance you're not tuning into that. 216-474 to below 92. Is this best for baseball? Or as a Guardians fan, are you upset that this is the direction that baseball has found themselves in? Where it really does feel like a league of the haves and the have-nots. We'll continue on with this. Tim Murray of VSIN going to give us the latest with the odds with our friends in the desert coming up at 10 o'clock. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. Alrighty, hey, think about it. All the stories Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin discussed in 2023 proved it's always game day in Cleveland. Don't miss the two pregame and one postgame episodes each week, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app and make sure you're ready for whatever happens next. All right, back at it here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Asking you guys right now, 216-474-092, is this is this what's best for baseball? Yamamoto to the Dodgers. He instantly becomes the highest paid pitcher in baseball history. He's never thrown a single pitch in the big leagues. And obviously there's a difference here, right? Like I was reading Joe Sheehan earlier. Sheehan comes on every now and again. He's one of my favorite baseball people. And he was talking about the idea that if Tanner Bybee, for instance, all of a sudden became on the open market at 25 years old, he might command somewhere in this realm of money that Yamamoto just commanded because 25-year-olds don't get to hit the open market. Part of why this guy from Japan that has won their version of the Cy Young Award all three years he's been in the Nippon League is on the market and available is because it's a little bit different with the Nippon League and how they're able to maneuver and come here the same way Otani did. But he has put up in sensational numbers. And he beat out Garrett Cole's $324 million because Garrett Cole, when he signed that deal, wasn't 25 years old. You're paying for the peak years of Yamamoto. But I'm not going to create a museum of lazy arguments that make it seem like I'm mad at baseball for you know creating interest. So many people want to create all sorts of different salary cap limitations. I've maintained I always think the salary cap four needs to be the real answer to how they do this. But that's okay. That's fine. I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I yelled at baseball for being interesting. I'm the meme of the guy with the stick. I'm just poking Rob Manfred saying, make it interesting. Make baseball interesting. And then baseball does something that will make everyone tune in game one and keep track of what's going on. And I can't tell you the sport is broken going in the wrong direction. I can't get people under 30 to talk baseball. I, you know, you know the amount of times that there's been really interesting Guardian stories this offseason, and my boss will ask me, excuse me, my boss will ask me to turn around and be like, so when when you're talking about this, or when you're talking about X, Y, or Z, I'm like, it's football season. I'm not talking about it. I can't get people under 30 to talk about baseball at all. This gets people interested. Yeah, there are bad moments, like last night. So, Otani last night gets the Taylor Swift treatment on Amazon Prime. Taylor Swift treatment means he gets shown in the ball game. He gets shown all sorts of other things, right? My come to Mo- Moses moment on this one was easy. Otani got featured. And Kirk Herbstreit didn't even know how to say his name right. Here it was. This was Herbstreit trying to say Shohei Otani. 
in the Amazon Prime game last night. Listen to this. This is insane. And I know Herb Street lives in his NFL bubble. Otani's the biggest player in baseball in the previous 20 years. So hot, Otani. What is that? Can you do that one again for me? What what what, what is that? Shohan Otani. Shohan Otani. Shohan Otani. Shohan Otani. What what is that? That's not even close. That's not even close. Kirk Herbstreet can name you the fourth wide receiver on Nebraska in a second. Okay, he's got the backup center's name at Ohio State tattooed on his butt cheek. I bet. Like that man knows everyone. That's his job. He knows everyone. That's what he came up with for Shohei Otani? Shohan Otani. Okay, there's a couple things here. Either that was blatantly disrespectful to baseball, and he knew that was Shohei Otani, and he was trying to make a point about how baseball isn't popular enough that he needs to know it, but it didn't sound that way. It sounded like he genuinely did not know how to say Shohei Otani's name. I understand not getting Yamamoto right. That one's brand new for a lot of people. But Shohei Otani? No chance Otani knew who Richard Sherman was, by the way. When's the last time you saw Richard Sherman dressed up like Maul Santa popping by to say hi to Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani looked at him like, okay, who are you? Are, did, did you get sent by the Dodgers? Are, are you sent by the suite with the Rams? The man was in Japan. He has no idea. When the Legion of Boom was going on, he had no idea who Richard Sherman was. He just saw that it was some dude coming up to say hi to him and it dressed up like Santa Claus. Like Maul Santa Claus. That's insane to me, though. That whole event, that back and forth. But I promise you this. I don't know what rock Kirk Herbstreet have been living under. I know he does game day. I know he does college football games. And I know he does the NFL. So maybe he's not much of a sports fan outside of football. Maybe he doesn't know LeBron James' name either. But the point is, is that between Yamamoto, between Otani, between the billion dollars in contracts that the Dodgers gave out, this is what's best for baseball. I've watched baseball get passed by. It's my favorite sport. I can't talk about it on the airwaves because people would rather talk about hypothetical football questions, which is fine. I've made peace with the idea that anyone under the age of 30 would rather talk about who would you rather have coaching your staff? Kevin Stefanski without his assistance or his assistance and no Kevin Stefanski? Like you guys love that stuff. Yeah, you eat that stuff up for breakfast, right? And that's fine. I get it. I understand it. But baseball's got to get back into relevance. So you're going to lose the war on this one, Guardians fans. But win, or excuse me, you're going to lose the battle. But win the war, please. Understand it might make you mad. That's fine. Baseball needs the villain. Baseball needs the big market, big dollar spending, something to get angry about, and something to have people talking. Because you can't, as a baseball fan, look away. 216474 to below 92. Frank and Kent up next on the fan. What's up, Frank? Well, Jonathan, if, uh, as you say, baseball is so unpopular, how could they pay these exorbitant uh, salaries that, uh, uh, make what Deshaun Watson got like chump chains. Hey, Frank, Come on. are you Anthony Lima? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, by the way, I heard the grand poobah accuse me of that. <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, you uh, on the asking, what the hell's wrong with him? How could I be 
uh, Anthony Lionel because I don't call every show on the station. Do I? I call your show. But then you, I call his I case. Call, uh, his case is that you don't call the morning show ever. No, I don't get up that early. Who, who the hell's getting up at? When do they start? Five thirty? Six o'clock? Yeah, I don't get up that early either. I'm with you there. Well, you don't listen to it, do you? Well, I do listen to it. I just use the Odyssey Rewind app, and I go back and listen to it. But, like, I, I would never be able to call into their show live unless I called, like, the 9 o'clock hour. But then I'm back, and I'm listening to the 6 o'clock hour at that point. Uh, but I'm uh, willing to negotiate with the Bar on a uh, very <laughs> lucrative contract uh, to host on weekends. If he would be so inclined, oh, yeah. what is he paying, Mr. Lima? Am I I'm making the same as Mr. Lima? What does he get paid? I don't think you're going to make the same as Lima. But you will if you are Lima. That's the trick here. How much does Lima make? I, I have no idea how much Lima makes. I don't know. Does he make more than you? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, big time. All right. Does the ball listen to your show in case you make any mistakes? Yeah. I don't know sure, if he's listening right now, though. Oh, okay. Uh, so have him call. Okay. And uh, I can prove that uh, why would Anthony Lima have a voice like mine? He sounds like a little squealy, uh, <laughs> squealy toy or something. All right. Lima would have been able to finish that thought, I think. All right. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate you, man. All right. I'm convinced now. I'm convinced. Although he did take a lot of shots at Lima that kind of made it seem a little fishy. Um, I, Dominic, what do you what do you think about this? That gotta be Lima. You think it is Lima? It has to be. It has to be. I I I, I refuse. I refuse to believe it. In if I if I were calling in pretending I wasn't myself, I too would be like, oh, I'd love to make what he makes. I get silly kill. It's it's play. It's it's plain dumb. Yeah, I like it. It felt it's a little fishy, thing. didn't it? There, there's something going on. Felt a little fishy. Does he have any like like brothers or cousins that that uh? Oh, my boss. That listen they, to him. My boss thinks that it it's Frank. Frank is Lima using a, a voice, using like a, a voice machine to create that voice. That's there's what a, he thinks. There's a high chance of that. A high chance. I think there's a high chance. Ian and Canton up next. Hello, Ian. Hey, uh, I think one of the biggest issues is Otani's been in LA for what five years. And he just got that treatment because he signed with the Dodgers, even though he's been in L.A. for five years. And now he's getting this whole treatment, going in the locker room, going in the stadium, getting the jersey, as if he just signed, even though he's been in L.A. for five years now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that was odd. I, I agree with you. I, did, I, I made the, the connection myself last night where I was like, wait, he, he could have done this at any given point. He, he, it's not like it's a, it, it's a different – it's the L.A. Rams. He could have done that at any point. But I think when you exactly. sign for $700 million and you have people like Patrick Mahomes tweeting out about how impressive that is, it raises your statue to another level. Plus, he's never been more popular than what he was this last season. Like, this was it for Otani. You're right. I just think that also, even with Herb Street not knowing, which I find that very hard to believe. That was a shot at baseball, but, right? That had to have been a shot at baseball. Yes. Like, it, it just, that's very hard to believe that the best player, he doesn't even know any, like, even the slightest how to say his name. Or, but I just think it's crazy that he's getting that treatment even though he's been in L.A. for five years and he's not just a new player signing. I just think he hit his apex this last year, and I appreciate the phone call. Thank you, man, as always. I just think he hit his apex this last year. Like, this was, this was the height of Otani. This was it. And I, you could make an argument that it was – it should have happened the year prior, but 
He took baseball by really. He took baseball. He just took baseball over. I, I'd never talked as much baseball on CBS Sports Radio as I did this last year, and it was only talking about Otani exclusively. Like, I mean, it just was a big deal. BP and Pepper Pike, what's up, man? Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Hey, what's up, BP? First of all, uh, I think you had the caller Frank on a couple minutes ago. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a fake voice. I've I've heard him now for like a year on your on your program. Do you think that's it's a fake... Do you think it's Lima though, or do you think it's just a different person using a fake voice? I think it's a different person, but that's okay. definitely a fake voice. That's so that's very fishy. How, I don't think. How do you how do you know it's a fake voice? Do you think it's like a do you think it's a computer app or something or what? No, just an embellished like oh, this is Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for Frank if it's not a fake voice, but <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, it just it sounds fake. I mean, everything about that voice is a fake voice. Yeah. Okay. But the, the reason I call it is you know. Sitting here in Cleveland with the Guardians, you know, with their low payroll, and the Cleveland Guardians are only valued at one point three billion dollars. Well, the, the Dodgers gave out one point three billion dollars in contracts this week. So, and that's just to three players. You know, they've got twenty two other guys on their roster. So, I mean, you know, as a Guardians fan, you know, and they're low on my totem pole. As you know, I'm a Cavs fan and a Browns fan. Mm-hmm. But how can you even, you know? You know, it's not a level playing field. You know, when you're a Cleveland Guardians fan here with a $40 million payroll and you got these guys signing billions of dollars worth of contracts and our entire team is worth a billion dollars. I just, I don't even know how we can, you know, until this Wolf Blitzer guy or whatever his name is, David Blitzer. You know, <laughs> David Blitzer, yeah. Yeah, until Blitzer owns the team, we're screwed. We, we don't have a chance. We, I, we so don't I have disagree a chance. with that, though, and I appreciate you, BP. Thank you. But I disagree with that. The the fundamental the ethos of baseball and what makes baseball great is over the past decade, fourteen different organizations have made the World Series and nine different teams have won it. You can't buy a World Series. You can buy an NBA title if the if you, you time things out correctly. You get a quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow turned Cincinnati from nothing into something in the blink of an eye. You can you can have one person, one player change everything in the NBA and the NFL. In baseball, you can't do that. Otani himself, Yamamoto himself, can't promise you a World Series. The the game has built in parity, and now they've expanded out the postseason to make it even worse in that regard. It's never been easier to be the Guardians and be an 85-90 win team and get hot at the right time. It's never been easier. And you can look at the lack of payroll, and you can complain about it, and you can yell about it, and you're not wrong in yelling about it. It's never been better. To have a 90-win team and find your way deep into the postseason. You can do it. Baseball, it's odd. It's an odd sport that way, and it's set up for that because the series are so short, and there's so much variance in between the series. And the talent levels are so close, even between an 85 and 102-win team. All right, leave that there. we come on back. Tim Murray of VEASAN going to break down the latest with the Browns and get you set up for a big gambling weekend. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on The Fan. 